Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message at Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy this message. And what we're trying to teach is that God is our everything. You know, in the book, in the Bible, it tells us all these different things that God does. He's our, he's our strong tower, right? He, he, is, uh, he, is our, he is our one and only. He is the desire of our heart. He was there. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But he also is our deliverer. Today, we're going to be talking about that a little bit. We're going to be talking about that God, uh, he sent his son that we would not have to live in prison with our own stuff, but that if we grab a hold of him, and if we teach others to grab a hold of him, and if we help our young people grab a hold of him, and our children grab a hold of him, we can change this world generation by generation. And I don't know if you know it, but the enemy, he wants to get our generations. He wants to get our children and our youth. Because if he can get them, he can change the world. Some of what you've seen up here in that skit was things that they deal with, not on a monthly basis, not on a weekly basis, not just on the weekends, but every day of their life. I have two girls. My oldest, Samantha, she's in college at Eastern Michigan University. And every day, she struggles with all of that. Every day she falls short. I keep praying that God will put her, the angels around her to guard her, send warriors into the path. And if you know Jesus, guess who you are? You're a warrior. God has called you to share the message of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean we have to come up here and do it from the pulpit doesn't mean we got to go stand in a public square and stand on a milk crate or a table or whatever and announce it. Some people do that. Some people are called to do that. But it does mean when God opens a door that we share what he's done in our lives. I'm going to share with you two stories today, and we're going to talk about that. My youngest daughter, Casey, a uh, great story of... Uh, God's deliverance, and I'm going to share part of that today, part of her testimony, part of our testimony as a family. Because if I don't do that, um, how, how am I going to encourage somebody? You know, our lives are testimonies. Our lives are, are what we, God gives us to use to reach other pe people. And he's shown me so many times, no matter how bad I got it, no matter the low of the lowest valley that I've been in, there's always somebody that's a little further down, has it a little rougher, has it a little worse. It's amazing how God does that. And he uses us to reach him. We become a lifeline to him. And we're going to talk about all that today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord God that you've given us each a testimony. Some may be some testimonies, Lord God, are those that are, that are ones of great deliverance, Lord God, of turmoil and devastation and destruction. Some are that I've been in church my whole life. What a testimony. 
Lord God, that there's some that have walked with you from the day they were born and never swayed. And there's others that have swayed and come back, swayed and come back. There's some that have just walked this big circle, but they're, they're, they're getting an opportunity, maybe even today, to know you, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that as we go through your word, Lord, I come against every distraction in Jesus' name. Lord, I come against every heart and heart Lord God, all the things that would the lies and the deceit of the enemy be gone in Jesus' name. And Lord, may our ears be open and may our eyes see what you want for us today, each of us. And Lord God, we give you the glory because you are Jehovah Naphtali, our deliverer. Lord God, have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. So my daughter Casey's story. You see, Casey... At the age of 12, we come to find out she had started to follow her older sister's footsteps. She began cutting. She began using drugs, mostly prescription drugs, huffing. She would do anything and everything that would get her high. Because in her mind, it was taking her from this awful world that she was living in to take her mind off it. Both my daughters were raped. One twice. And God delivered her. Both, uh, both my daughters uh, suffered from depression. And they both cut. They both tried to take their lives at one time or another. My daughter Casey, three different times, she tried to take her life. Unfortunately, all three times I wasn't there. But my wife was. And my wife had to endure the pain of that all by herself. The first two times, she didn't even tell me what was going on. The third time, I was up north, and I had to make my way back. And I found my daughter in the hospital with tubes and stuff going into her. And at that time, we'd been through a lot, right? Uh, we had a house burn. We had marital problems. We had, uh, we had all kinds of things, the lowest of lows that you can think of that we had to walk through with both our girls. But in all of it, I knew that God had a plan and I knew God had a purpose. And so I would hold on to Jesus every day and I would ask him, Lord God, get us through this. And every time I thought I had a worse day, later on, go along, we'd have another worse day. But can I tell you there was best days? There was best days in that. God started to remind me of things that he had done in our lives. When I was there, when my daughter got baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time, when we got baptized, water baptized as a family, when we got saved, each of us at a different time, God was there on those best days, just like he was there on those worst days. And getting through the worst days, I had to remember the best days. I had to remember the best days. And, and so God, through all of that, we reached a point with our our youngest daughter, Casey, that we had to say, you know what? If we don't get her help, we're not going to have a daughter. So while she was in the hospital, we got her taken care of, and they took her to a place in Detroit, a, a, a mental institution, and it was a horrible place. And you know, though, she got dry long enough to realize something wasn't right. And she claimed that she was set free, she was delivered, she was okay, she's going to be all right. But at that moment, she still wasn't, she was still mad at God. 
Because, see, God allowed all this stuff to happen to her. She had no choices in that, which is not true. See, a, a lie of the enemy will say, you ain't got a choice. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. And so we let it go on, and we, we said, okay, she's good, and she did good for a couple weeks. And uh, noticed some things. My wife, she's really good at picking up things. She started noticing things. And we, went, we, we were meeting with a family counselor, so we went in, and, and we said, you know, we see these things, and, and the counselor said, you need to get, prepare yourself to do something. And so, so we did. We found this place out in Brewster, Kansas, called Victory House Teen Challenge. It was only for girls, and it was particularly for girls under the age of 18, which is awesome. Seven beds they had. So we knew that she would get care, but they didn't have any openings. So my daughter came home from school, and I could see that she was high. I didn't say nothing to her. But I did go into my prayer closet, and I did ask friends that were close to us to start praying. And we prayed that God would open a door. The next day, she was on her way to a, uh, I think it was a big Christian concert in Lansing. Um, I forget what they call it right now. But she was on her way there, and we got the phone call that a bed opened up. And so we prepared everything. Worst day of my life was when my daughter got home or one of the worst days, was when my daughter got home and we had to load her in a car to take her to nowhere, Kansas. It was a horrible fight to get her in the car. Her sister was there and her best friend, Shay, and at that moment, man, Casey did everything she could to fight us off, but we got her in the car. And the thing was, she was using drugs while she was at the Christian concert. Guess what, parents? Guess what, grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles? Yep, kids do drugs at Christian concerts, at overnighters, at Christian events, probably at camp. I pray not. But I have to be realistic and have to understand that this is part of the world that they live in. And it's up to us. And the challenge that I take is that it's up to us to change it. We have to take a stand just like that day that I had to put her in that car and take her far, far away from us. So we get her there, and she gets out. She's crying. She's like, where am I? Because, I mean, this place is in the middle of nowhere. It is nowhere. There's fields all around. You can't even see a, a highway, you know. You can't even hear the highway. That's how far out it is. But we leave, we, we leave her there. Second worst day of my life, leaving my little girl someplace that I don't know what's going to happen. I can't protect her. I can't cover her. I can't be there for her. I can't hug her. I can't kiss her. For one year, she has to go there. And so we leave her there. But can I tell you what God did in that year? She was detoxing for three months. It was so bad that she was bleeding from her eyes. They never seen it. Can I tell you that's a physical impossibility? You know what that was? That was deliverance. Everything in her all those demonic things that have happened didn't want to go. But God delivered her. Three months. The night she got delivered, the night it was over, Pastor Vicki, Pastor Charles, and their two kids prayed over my daughter, began to pray in the Spirit, and God delivered her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, but I want to share you this first story. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 28. I want to give you a little background. So see, Jesus and his disciples, they get in the boat, and they're going over to the other side. They're going someplace else. They're trying to get away from the crowds. And Jesus falls asleep in the boat. And you guys know the story where, you know, they were freaking out. And he gets up and he calms the storm. I thought that was a cool story in itself, right? But the more you read, the more you see that he wasn't really going to get rid of, he wasn't getting rid of, away from the crowds. He was on a mission to do something else. And in this case, there was a man on the other side in the land of uh, Gar- Garcinus, which was across the Lake of Galilee. And there was a demon-possessed man. And he didn't have his clothes on. He was tore all his clothes off. He was a mess. How many of you have ever been in a mess? Come on. I've been in a mess before. And so, so Jesus steps off the boat. And what, what happens? This is what happens, starting in verse 28. It says, when Jesus, when he sees Jesus... When this man sees Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Can I tell you, evil will recognize Jesus in you. And if you watch, and if you look, you can see it. I'm telling you, physically, you can see it. You can feel it right here. How many of you ever walked into a place... And kids, I'm going to tell you what, pay attention to your kids because they know there's something inside of them where they start feeling like their whole demeanor changes. That's like it's not your kid. There's probably a reason for that. Something's not right, and they're sensitive to that. But God can give you that sensitivity, and when he does, you need to pay attention to that. When your gut starts turning because you're, you're feeling uncomfortable, you can't figure it out, something's going on. See, I totally believe that the real battle is in the spirit, not in the physical. And when stuff like that starts happening, I start paying attention to it. And I'll tell you the truth, both my daughters taught me that. They taught me that because we would go into places when they were little, and it, they would say, Dad, we got to get out of here. Casey, Casey had the gift. She had a gift of discernment. She could see things that other people couldn't see, and she could feel things that other people couldn't feel. It was an amazing gift, and God used it many, many times. And, and so here's this guy, he comes screaming out of the tombs, son of man, what would you want with me? And then it says, don't torture me, but it's not him that's speaking, it's these demons, right? So it said, they asked in, in, verse, in verse 30, it says, Jesus asked him, what is your name? And it said to him, legion. He replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. But there's a large herd of pigs they were feeding on the hillside. And the demons begged Jesus to let, let them go into him. And they gave him permission. And when the demons came out, the man Out of the man, and they went into the pigs. The herd went over the cliff and into the sea and drowned. 
And when those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported into the town and to the countryside. And the people went out to see all that had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man, get this, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting and in his right mind. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So in this first story, we see this, this deliverance of many demons. God, Jesus has the power to deliver this man. Guess what? Christians, you have the power because Jesus lives inside of you. I tell the kids all the time, and they'll attest to this, there's power in presence. There's power in the presence of Jesus. And because Jesus lives in you, there's power in your presence. You have this power that delivers. Now, there's other places in the Bible, we won't go into it today, but tells us we got to be careful with that power. we got to be careful with that. So we need to learn it first. We need, to, we need to ask God for discernment. We need to ask God to help us with that. But the point is, is that it lives in you. Jesus lives in you, and there's power in that. And we see it come out in this story. We're going we're gonna to talk about it a little bit more. We're going we're gonna to go to another story. And that's in um, John chapter 4. And we're going to start in uh, verse 4. And it says, Now he had gone through Samaria. Or now he had to go to, through Samaria. So he came to the town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. I'll pause for a minute because I hear Bibles turn it. So I'll give you a minute to get there. Sorry. I get going sometimes, man. You know, Clarence, I get going. I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, the, okay, so Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was uh, from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Remember that. It was about the sixth hour. Because that's, that's a little strange that it was about the sixth hour. So when the Samaritan woman came and drawn out water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? See, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. They didn't get along. They weren't supposed to according to the, to, the, to, the, to the culture of the time. How many of you know, according to the culture of the time, that we're not supposed to get along with gay people? I'm just going to be real with you, right? Christian attitudes would say that we can't have gay friends. I think that's wrong. Do we got to be careful? Yes. Why do we want to be friends? Because, see, Jesus went to sit with sinners, some of you may, well, that's not a sin. Well, we could argue back and forth all day. I could show you scripture. The point is, the point is, is that we need to be real with people and let them be who they are so they can find themselves in Jesus. So they can be delivered. So the culture of the time says that we shouldn't be friends with drunkards or people that use drugs, right? How many of you got... How many of you came out of that lifestyle? I came out of that lifestyle. Do I go and hang out with them? No. 
Do I call him on the phone and tell him I love him? Yes. Do I check up on him? Yes. Have I seen him in the store? Yes. Have I had lunch with them? Yes. Will I go over to their house and hang out? No. For me, it's too much. It could be a temptation that I don't want to endure, to be honest. And I think that's okay. Because we need to be real, Jeff, right? We need to be real and keep ourselves from that. But it doesn't mean I don't love them. So our Christian stuff also, weird enough, will say that we can't be friends with other Christians. We can't be friends with Baptists because they believe different than us. We can't be friends with Catholics because they believe different than us. We can't be friends with Lutherans, Brian, because they believe... They, they believe different than us, man. And those Presbyterians now, let me tell you, and those Nazarenes, oh my goodness. See, that's what Christian culture will tell you. And it's not true. See, we need to be delivered of that. Because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. The only way we're going to win this war is if we stand together and we can agree at least on one thing, Jen. Jesus Christ is our Savior. If we can do that, we can change the world. We can keep our kids from falling into the traps of the world. So he's sitting with the Samaritan woman, right? And he says, let's go to verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift uh, of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can, I, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, and did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. Hallelujah. Indeed, the water I give you will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. And he told her, Go call your husband come back, and, and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, is that you have had five husbands, and the man you know, now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, uh, that a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and, and, now is, and, now, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship in, with the Father in the spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. So the light bulb comes on and she starts to realize who this is that she's talking to. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming when he comes. He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Hallelujah. Revelation. That was a revelation. God revealed himself to this woman. Now let me ask you a question. If he reveals himself to a Samaritan woman, him being a Jew, then why won't he reveal himself to us? Oh, well, that was a long time ago. Hold on. The word of God says, I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. God will give you revelation if you seek it. But brother, I've been praying, 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 and praying, and nothing's happened. Really? Are you sure? Because let me tell you, let me just be real with you. I've prayed and prayed and prayed that my wife would come home, that my wife would get revelation of who Jesus is, right? Oh, yeah, that's another thing that we're going through. We've been separated for almost five years. But see, God works different than we want him to work. I don't know what God's doing in her life. Do I hate this time that we're apart? Yeah. Do I miss my wife? Tremendously. I miss holding her. I miss praying with her. But I can pray over her, even though we're 817 miles apart. God is with her. I can't make her listen. I can't make her change. But I can change me. And I can change my heart. And I've had a struggle. And there's some brothers here that will tell you. And I'm so thankful that they pray with me and help me stay on track. And there may come a time where I have to just walk. You know, I don't know what God's going to do. All I know is I can't make her do anything. So I have to prepare myself for whatever happens and believe no matter what, God has a plan and God has a purpose and God will deliver her out of that. Hallelujah. So we see this woman and we're, this story, in both of these stories, I'm gonna, we're going to flip back, okay? We're going to flip back to Luke. And we're going to flip over to verse, uh, verse 38, okay? This is, a, this is where we start. I mean, it's all important, but now we're getting into the real important stuff of both these stories. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all the town how much Jesus had done for him. Amen. Hallelujah. God says, you can't come with me. I can't stay here. Somebody's got to represent. Somebody's got to tell these people who I am and what I've come to do. So he made the man stay there. Go flip over to, uh, flip back over to John, and let's go to uh, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Because of what? The woman's testimony. He had told her, he had told me everything I had ever done. I had ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because the words of many 
more became believers. Hallelujah. Because the words of many, more became believers. Who's many in this room? You are. We all have a testimony. We're all called to share it. That more people will come to Jesus. Because you never know who God is going to send you to. Can I, I'm going to share a couple things before we close. I'm going to share a couple things with you. One, my daughter Casey, so she goes, she gets delivered. She still doesn't give her life to Christ, by the way, even though this tremendous thing, sort of like Pastor Roger was talking about the Jews being in the desert and all the miracles that God did. And see, Casey was around all these miracles all of her life. She's seen miracles. As a little girl, she was leading kids to Christ at the mulberry tree in the backyard. She would tell them at little age, at nine, eight, nine years old, about Jesus. And little kids would be, I'd come home from work and I'd see her out at that mulberry tree. I just thought she was playing. One day I happened to look out the window and there on the ground, she had all these little kids on their knees and she was praying over them. It was amazing. And when I asked her, she said, well, if I don't tell him about Jesus, who's going to? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so, she, uh, so she goes on and she's just going through the motions. She calls us uh, about six months into this, three months after she was delivered. Dad, Mom, I'm good. I want to come home. I'm 18 now. And we're coming home. Third worst day of my life. I said on that phone, I said, you're not coming home until you graduate. God has done everything in you that he can do. And silence came over the phone. My little girl was brokenhearted. And, and, and me, I'm a big sucker for that. My girls, man, what they, they got anything they wanted. They could look at me and I'd melt. But God said, you got to be strong. Got to be strong. Because she's not ready to come home yet. It was, it was crazy because I had been praying about all of that, and God spoke to me, I believe, almost audibly. And I don't know exactly what that means, but I could hear the voice of God saying, not yet. And so we had to leave our little girl there, and she was mad. Whew. She was mad, and she went into a tangent for three weeks there at the center. She put herself back three months of, of the, three, the two or three weeks of things that she did while she was there. She tried to cut herself. She tried to kill herself. She tried to run away. See, the, all that demonic stuff that was going on in her life wouldn't leave her alone. Can I tell you, when you get delivered, you still got to keep your, your guard up. Still got to fight it. I still deal with alcohol. I still deal with smoking. I still deal with cussing. I still de deal with fighting because I used to fight, drink, cuss, carouse. That's who I was. But then I found out who I was in Christ. He changed all that. He took all that anger, anger and turned it into zeal. He turned all that hate into love. Thank you, Jesus. And so Casey was struggling. They had an opportunity. Uh, Matthew West was coming to Topeka, Kansas. And they had an opportunity to go there and help out. And so Casey begrudgingly said, okay, I'll go and help, but I ain't going to like it. And she goes, she meets Matthew West. Matthew West, they, you know, kind of mingle with the girls or whatever they did, you know, tell them what they can do, what they can't do. 
Matthew West all of a sudden calls my daughter Casey over, over to the side, and starts talking to her. Pastor Vicky said, a couple minutes, she began to, tears began to flow. Whatever Matthew said, and to this day, I don't know what it was, but I believe God began to move in that moment. And on the way home from that concert, a song came on. Changed your life. She got delivered again. See, sometimes you, you get delivered more than once of more than one thing. It don't always happen like the guy in the tombs. Sometimes it does, sometimes it don't. Sometimes it happens like for the woman in the well. Light bulb comes on. And that's what happened to my daughter Casey. Light bulb came on. She gave her life back to Christ. From that day forward, she served God until he took her home. My daughter died in a car accident. But I can tell you this. She served God, I believe, until the moment he took her home. I believe she was praising God in one breath and hugging him in the next. Because that's how she was. That's how she was. Every place that girl went, she shared a testimony. I went to Kansas after all of that. She was entered into fine arts. She had a poem. We went to Topeka, Kansas. And we were at Topeka, Kansas, in a little town north of Topeka. I can't remember the town. We were in a restaurant in a pizza hut. And there was this young man there, big young man, big, big, big young man. Scary, big young man. And when we both walked in, discernment came over us, and I knew that I was supposed to talk to this young man. And so we're sitting down eating, and Casey looks up at me, and she goes, I think you're supposed to talk to that young man. And I said, you know what? As soon as I go get my pizza, sit down and have lunch, I will go talk to him. She goes, okay. So I get up, go get my pizza, get back. Guess what? Casey's sitting at the table with him. Dad, come here. She introduces him. She tells me a story. We begin to pray. That young man gets delivered in the pizza hut. He's going to church. There's a church there. We just heard from him uh, probably four or five months ago. Day, I think it's called Daystar uh, Assembly of God in that town. And uh, unbelievable. Because uh, my, my daughter chose to change, you know, speak her testimony. Same thing with these Samaritans. And it should be the same thing with us. We pray you enjoyed this message. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.